Welcome to The Cutting Floor, a weekly mini-podcast of West Cannon Baptist Church. Each week we'll be looking at topics and questions coming from the Sunday morning sermon passage that didn't make it into the sermon or that were worth looking at further. In other words, what was left on the cutting floor. I'm Emily and with me is Pastor Zach. This week your sermon covered Genesis 1-1 through 2-3, which looks at the creation account. Some people say that or think that creation and evolution can go together. Is theistic evolution compatible with the Genesis account? You know, I'm certainly aware that many Christians, including a number of individuals that I highly uh, respect and uh, love, would try to view creation and uh, the story of creation in Genesis 1 and theistic evolution as somehow compatible. But I think when we really step back and we look at what Genesis 1 teaches and then we hold that up against some of the core tenets of evolution, I think that we find that there's a fundamental lack of compatibility. So first, the problem that I think exists is if we, if we break apart what theistic evolution means, theistic means, of course, God-driven and then evolution, so that God essentially was the originating spark of all life and everything that exists, but that from there he allowed these natural processes that he initiated to then develop the creation through an evolutionary process. But as we look at that, we need to ask the question, what is the driving mechanism in evolution that moves the development of organisms forward? And the answer to that is, of course, the process of natural selection. And for natural selection to work, there needs to be this underlying principle of survival of the fittest, that natural selection weeds out the inferior Uh, genetic elements through a process that is driven by death so that as the weaker organisms or those that are less fitted for survival or thriving in a particular environment as those die off the genetic pool grows increasingly strong or driven toward particular features uh, in the living organisms that are better suited for survival but that of course implies that in the immediate aftermath of creation, there already is death, death before the fall. And so when God looks at his creation, he says that it is good and that the totality of his creation says that it is very good. For theistic evolution to be true, that would have to mean that God endorsed death and thereby suffering um, prior to the events of the fall. That for me, as I look at the Genesis account, fundamentally undermines Uh, what we see and and what the Apostle Paul sees in the book of uh, Genesis when Paul says in Romans that as by one man death entered into the world and and or sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned and then later he says that as a result of this fall all of creation groans that's incompatible with the idea of death before the fall I also think that we have to answer the question of what is our source of authority going to be as Christians Are we trying to in some way twist and conform the biblical account to become compatible in some way with the authority that is based in science and in evidentialism? Or are we prepared to say we are going to affirm in every manner what the Bible teaches as the ultimate source of our authority? So what we are willing to believe, what we are willing to vest with authority speaks to what we are placing our faith in. And so as as often as we don't want to hold up 
faith versus science when it comes to something like theistic evolution that is not compatible with the Genesis 1 account, then the question becomes, what's our source of authority? The final thing I'll say, I think theistic evolution begins to strip away some of the glory from creation that God claims as His through His creative design. Instead of it being a natural process that gradually weeds out the weaker and promotes the stronger, the Bible tells us that God created each creature according to its kind, and that reflects His glory. So as in so much as creation shouts God's glory, it shouts it not only through its majesty, but also through its complexity and the beauty of its uh, design. So in Genesis 1-2, Moses says, darkness was over the face of the deep. Does this mean that Lucifer had fallen and there was actually sin prior to the creation account? Hmm. Yeah, this is an interesting question. You know, in John's gospel, John says that uh, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And so there's this thought process that we then have that darkness equals evil and light equals goodness. But as we reflect on that a little bit, we need to remember that John in his gospel is using a motif and in his epistles he's using this motif, a motif of light and darkness to describe light as being uh, metaphorical of goodness and purity and holiness and darkness as being the, the world that rejects goodness. But a motif is a literary device. It doesn't actually speak to the God's divine essence. So John isn't saying that God is actually light because in Genesis 1 we read, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so God existed prior to the light that he creates. So then when we think about what does it mean when Moses says that there was darkness over the face of the deep, does it mean that there is already this pervasive evil that God has to address in creation? And I don't think that's the case. One thing we need to keep in mind, what is darkness? Darkness is the absence of light. So darkness is not a thing in and of itself. It is the absence of illumination. And so when God describes the origin of the universe as darkness over the face of the deep, it perfectly illustrates the emptiness that exists prior to God first speaking light, the illumination that comes. And I think it also speaks to the fact that it is so appropriate that light is the very first thing that God speaks. Because by the light that God then illumines his universe with, we are able to visibly see all of the rest of the works of creation uh, that God does. There's no mention of angels in the creation story. So were angels ever created? And if they were, when were they created? It's sort of fascinating to think about, isn't it? Uh, when, when did the angels become created? Were they created? Where did they come from? To some respects, we need to acknowledge that the Bible doesn't give us all of the answers about precisely when uh, angels come into existence. You read through Genesis 1 and there is not an account of the creation of the angels. But there are still a couple of key pieces of evidence that we can put together that we can say, okay, here, here's what we do know about the nature of angels and their creation. Number one, we can affirm that angels are in fact created. Uh, in Colossians chapter 1, Paul is speaking about the preeminence of Christ. And uh, he says that Christ is before all things, that in him all things hold together. He says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. 
as we look at that, uh, that tells us that that language of thrones and dominions and authorities and powers is the same language that Paul uses elsewhere to describe the spiritual forces of, of evil in the heavenly places. In other words, the angelic and demonic hosts, so the spiritual realm. So these things, these spiritual beings, angels, were created uh, through the work of Christ, through, through the Word of God, the Logos. So they are created beings. We also read in Job chapter 38 about the description of the creation event, that at the creation, and particularly the creation of the seas uh, and separation of earth from the waters, that the sons of God and the morning stars together shouted for joy. And those expressions, the morning stars and the sons of God, are both used throughout the Old Testament as descriptions of the angelic hosts. So the angels are apparently there together witnessing the events of creation and they're singing God's praises. So at the very least we know that they were already on the scene or able to observe what God was doing in creation by day three. That being said, I can't tell you what day of creation that they were created on or even if they were created before the days of creation that begin in Genesis uh, chapter one. We can, however, say with confidence that they are created beings who give glory to their creator. Uh, one commentator, a Puritan commentator, said, beyond this, any speculation is arrogance on our part, and I think that that's wise counsel. We should not speculate on what Scripture does not clearly speak on. We know this, all created things in heaven and on earth, visible or invisible, are there to bespeak of the glory of God and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. We will address the remaining listener questions in the coming weeks when we address the fall. If you have any questions from the sermon or the sermon passage that you would like to have answered on the podcast, please email them by 8 a.m. on Tuesday mornings to questions at westcanon.org. We'll see you next week.